Good day, everyone. Welcome to Saturated in Scripture. Greetings, everyone. You are tuning into Saturated in Scripture, a weekly devotional program designed to help you taste and see the sweetness of the gospel in Scripture. As a reminder, this podcast is a ministry of Grace Point Presbyterian Church in Sydney. My name is Elliot, and I'm your host for this program. Every week, we gather across our city and around our world to pause in order to hear what God has to say to us through His Word and Spirit. For the year 2023, we are as a church working our way through the entire book of the Psalms. We do all this because we recognize that we need God's word for life. We need it for wisdom. We need it for his guidance. We need it for salvation. As a result, we want to saturate ourselves deeply in God's word. We want to do this on a weekly basis as we gather as a church on Sunday to worship him. But we need this every single day as well, which is why when we examine the history of the church, daily devotions, being anchored in the word and prayer has been so crucial in the formation of Christians throughout the history of the church. Now, I recognize that many of us, if you're like me, struggle with this. And so this program has been designed specifically with you in mind to come next to you, side by side with you, with a program that is tangible, that is achievable, that is something we can do together as a church, but also to provide you as many guides and support as possible. You'll receive uh, weekly emails with the readings for the week, but this podcast is a bit of a centerpiece for our project, a desire to come alongside you and to explain what the passage has to say. So the aim of all of this is to dive deep into God's word so that we may firstly gain a greater sense of clarity about who God is and his plans for the world so that we may secondly know who we are in light of all of that and how we are to live. The reminder is that our readings for this week is Psalms chapter 11 to chapter 12. A bit short, but our psalm in focus for this episode is Psalm chapter 11. If you're able to, let me invite you to keep your Bibles open as we dive deep into this. I'm reading Psalm chapter 11 from the NIV, and it says this, In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to the mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows, they set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. On the wicked, he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever heard people say, I prefer the God of the New Testament over the God of the Old Testament? The idea behind this is that the God of the New Testament is kind, gracious, and loving. But the God of the Old Testament, well, he's angry, he's vengeful, he's judgmental. This divide is particularly popular today, especially when we consider the moral ethical teachings of the Bible. 
For example, the Old Testament seems to forbid particular practices that the New Testament is relatively silent about. And it seems like the overarching teaching of the New Testament is love. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself, love. So it seems understandable that people today would prefer the God of the New Testament over the God of the Old Testament. Now, while this seems popular in our current cultural climate, this sort of separation between the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament is actually an age-old issue. It's quite ancient. One of the earliest proponents of this is a man by the name of Marcion. He lived between AD 85 to 160. And among many false beliefs, Marcion concluded that the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament were incompatible with the action of God in the Old Testament. More specifically, he suggested that the God of the Old Testament, called the Demiurge, was a jealous and capricious God, while the God of the New Testament is a compassion and a loving God, full of kindness, full of mercy. Now, Marcion was condemned for this among his other teachings, chiefly because it's just not true. If you read the Bible closely enough, you'll see that God is consistently kind and consistently angry, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Consistently gracious and consistently vengeful. Consistently just and consistently judge. But not only is there a consistency between these two seemingly contrasting characteristics, Very significantly, there is actually a correspondence between the two. There is a correlation, a similarity, in fact, a compatibility. And that's what we see here in Psalm chapter 11. Read along with me, verses 1 to 3 are some advice that people have given to the psalmist David. They say to him, hey, hey, David, run to the mountains. Bolt there as quickly as birds can fly. Because it's there in the mountains where you will find safety. You know why, don't you? The wicked, your enemies, are are bending their bows. They're ready to attack. David, there is no hope. Not even the righteous can do anything about it. Just leg it. And now we get this, don't we? It's what you could call the fight or flight response. In times of fear and anxiety, we tend to either dig our heels into fight or we lift our feet to run. And David's advisors are saying, Run like the wind from your problems. And it's against this advice that David responds. And his overarching answer is, how could I? How could I possibly run? If you read verses 4 to 7, you see him give a few reasons. Verse 4, how could I run when the Lord is in his holy temple and on the heavenly throne? God sees everyone and he sees everything. How could I run? Verse 5, he's saying, how could I possibly run when the Lord sees the righteous and the wicked and he passionately hates the wicked who love violence? How could I run when God sees? Verse 6, how could I possibly run when the wicked will suffer a fate worse than they could ever imagine? They will be covered in coals and sulfur. And more than that, the language in our psalmist, coals and sulfur will rain on them. In other words, there is no hiding. Just as rain falls on people without prejudice and in abundance, so too judgment will rain on the wicked. 
Verse 7, how could I run when God is righteous and he loves justice? Basically, how could I possibly run or leg it when God who sees all, knows all, loves justice, hates wickedness, and promises vindication is on my side? How could I run when I know that he will do what is right? It is like knowing you will win a fight by tapping out early. It's like knowing you will win a race, but you call it quits. It's like knowing you will ace an exam, but you choose to not even sit it. You wouldn't do that. Likewise, you wouldn't run when you know that God is the ruler. But here's what's interesting. I want you to notice verses 5 to 6 and pay close attention to the strong language that is used about God's attitude and action against the wicked. His attitude and his action. His attitude is one of hatred. The NIV says that God hates the wicked, but those who do violence with a passion. Another translation says that God is outraged. And then his action, right? His action is raining coals and sulfur on the wicked. Now that's vivid imagery. Here's another one. Scorching wind as their lot. Another way to understand this is this, right? It's like quenching their thirst with scorching and hot wind. This is a bit hard for us to imagine, right? But imagine being a desert. It is hot, you are parched, and instead of being fed water, you are instead fed the very heat that is causing you to feel parched and depleted in the first place. It's like drinking hot sand in the middle of the desert. It is the worst sort of judgment in that circumstance that you could possibly imagine. Now we'll think, wow, that is some serious attitude and action from God, right? No wonder people say that the God of the Old Testament is vengeful and a judge. I mean, that's clear as day in our psalm, ain't it? My friends, don't you see? God is like that, not just because he hates the wicked with a passion, but also because he loves the righteous with a passion as well. His judgment upon the wicked corresponds to his character of justice and his care for the justified, his people. I'll say that again. His judgment upon the wicked corresponds to his character of justice and his care for the justified, his people. In other words, his strong attitude and action also shows the depth of his love. We know what's that like, don't we? Parents who love their children will go out of their way to not only do what's best for their children, they'll also go out of their way to protect them from what is wrong. It's the same between two lovers. Jealousy may seem like a negative emotion, but why are we jealous? To be sure, we're sometimes jealous because of insecurity, but we can also be jealous because of love. We love the other person so much that we long for their loyalty and commitment. This is also why God's love for us is also described as a jealous love. Think of Exodus chapter 20 verses 4 to 6. 
He loves his own so, so much. He cannot tolerate seeing his own go through injustice and wickedness. What we see in Psalm 11 is not just God who is judge. We see a God of justice, a God of love. It is because he loves the righteous and his own that he punishes the unrighteous. He punishes those who mistreat his people. It is because he loves the upright. He loves those who take refuge in him that his punishment is poured out on the wicked and it is harsh. And of course, we see this on the cross, don't we? Where the harshest form of punishment, crucifixion, is not avoided, but it is placed on Christ himself. It is on the cross where we see the judge judged in our place, a place where judgment and justice meet a place where both love and law are fulfilled. So here are a few implications of this. Firstly, do you see two separate gods in the Bible? The God of the Old Testament and then the God of the New Testament? I hope you now see that this distinction is manufactured and not inherent in the Bible. Here is a truth to treasure. God is consistent all throughout history. God is consistent all throughout history. Secondly, depending on your reflection on implication one, let me ask you, do you tend towards reading one testament over the other? In other words, if you were to reflect on your Bible reading habits over, say, the past one to three years, would you say you spend more time in the New Testament or in the Old Testament? Here's an action to apply. Let me encourage you to try balancing your reading a little more so that you can have a more fully orbed view of God. If you're like me, then chances are you lean more towards the New Testament, partly because it's easier to read, right? More letters, instructions, less genealogies. Maybe you're on the other side and you love the Old Testament because it's full of stories and narrative and imagery. Whatever it is, I want to encourage uh, all of us uh, to read both in a much more balanced way. Um, Part of it is our unfamiliarity with all of this will breed more reflections and questions, and maybe balancing our reading will give us a fresh perspective on Scripture and what God has to say to us. Here's a question. Do you tend towards reading one testament over the other? Uh, why don't we try uh, a more fully orbed view of God in Scripture? Here's a third implication. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like running away in the face of your troubles and anxieties right now? Do you feel like running away in the face of your troubles and anxieties right now? Now, this is not to say that you shouldn't flee from dangerous circumstances, right? Do not stay in an abusive relationship. Do not stay in harm's way. Do not keep yourself in a place where you can easily get hurt, right? Be wise about it. But do you feel like running away from God? That's my question. Here's a feeling to face. God's love for you is greater than you can ever imagine. In our passage, we see the lengths that he will go to punish the wicked and unrighteous. Those who make our life hell for unjust reasons, God will punish. He loves you, 
and he's inviting you to take refuge in him today. Don't run away from him, run to him. Lastly, here is a point to ponder. Why do you default to running away from God when times get tough? It's probably no surprise that we find ourselves doing this more often than we like to admit. Uh, But sometimes we run because of disbelief. We don't believe in God's promises contained in Scripture. We sometimes run because of fear. We are afraid of appearing weak and needing God's help. We sometimes run away because that's what we're used to. We are raised and hardwired to flight. We don't fight, we run away. But maybe there's a different way. Maybe it's not flight. Maybe it's not fight. Maybe it's faith. Why do you default to running away? This seems like a really good question to reflect and ponder on this week. Why do you default to running away from God when times get rough? Is it disbelief? Is it fear? Is it because we're used to? Is it because of something else? It may be very helpful to identify what that is and bring that to God in prayer. So friends, why don't we do that right now? Why don't you join me as we give thanks to God and come to Him in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you that we know the delight of what it is for you to be our refuge. We thank you that you are a stronghold. We thank you that in you we are safe. We thank you that you know the differences between wickedness and justice. You know the differences between right and wrong. And you have a sure commitment to preserving that which is right. Because you're holy, because you're glorious, but also because you are good. And so gracious God, I pray that we would know the delight of being in your refuge, being safe in your arms. Our gracious God, we also pray that we would learn to rejoice in knowing that you love justice more than we do. Perhaps that's what enables us to let go sometimes of situations and circumstances where we have no control and instead submit it to you who has control. Our Lord and God, we thank you that your love for us runs so deep that it inspires a deep sense of faith and trust. And because of all of this, gracious God, I pray that all of us will learn to keep running to you in hard circumstances. We are so conscious that because of our upbringing, because of our faith experiences, because of our personality and temperament, we may tend to run away, we may tend to dig our heels down, and we may tend to fight for what is ours. And sometimes that's not wrong. But our Lord and God, we also are conscious that you invite us in your word to depend on you, to exercise faith in you, and to watch the way that you play these things out according to your good purposes. So gracious God, we pray that the words of Psalm 11 would inspire a deeper trust and cause us to keep running in your direction. We commit these things to you, knowing that you love us in Christ, that in Christ we see this judgment and justice come together perfectly. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us for another week here at Saturated in Scripture. 
I hope and pray you've been able to taste the sweetness of Scripture with us. Until next week, delight in the law of the Lord.